0: Once again, I'm Annika, and you might remember me from the previous episodes. And I'm Nicole, and it's great to be back. This project podcast series, and we're joined with a very special guests. And I'm so excited to be hosting this episode. How about you, Nicole?
1: I'm also super excited for this episode, Annika, especially since we have such enthusiastic people to talk with us here today on What's Your Why?
0: Exactly! What's Your Why was really created to feature the advocacies of different organizations and allow our audience to appreciate the different avenues where they can be empowered. I'm sure that our guests are excited to share what they have in store.
1: We are joined today by an organization that really aims to share their passion for children and being there for all of their needs and psychosocial development. Today, let's welcome Hugo and Koa, the outgoing Vice Presidents for Advocacy and Hospitals from Kaith, Ateneo. Hi, Hugo and Koa! Hi! Hi Nice to meet you guys! Yeah, nice to meet you! How are you guys? I mean, I heard that it's kind of like the transition period of... EBs and Exacomps and Ateneo, um, you guys are ending your term soon. So how are you? How's everything going for you guys?
2: Yeah, we're doing pretty good, I think. <laughs> like, we just ended most of our academics recently. So it's been pretty chill because you got to rest a lot. But again, as you said, it's been a transition period. So um, we also have a lot of work to do in terms of, like, prepping the new EB, our new... um. Officers, but yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to spend the rest of the our, our time like getting to rest more and essentially getting to retire, I guess, because we're almost done.
1: Yeah, it must have been a really ty- tiring like past year for you guys, especially you know with all of this online transition. I mean, it was probably really hard for you guys to bring all of your previous projects to like an online setup and try to still make it as meaningful as possible as it was, you know, previously. So yeah, I'll give the floor to Annika so we can proceed with our questions for you guys.
0: Yay, thank you so much for that, Nicole. As you guys said, you guys are the outgoing um, vice presidents, and um, I guess that gives you a different perspective on how the whole org operates since you've been in those positions. So would you mind telling us what is the org about and a brief background of all of it?
3: So Kaiser uh started 28, 29 years ago um, by two postgrad students, and um, the idea was that they wanted to create an environment that would help um, pediatric patients' illnesses to be able to cope with yeah. their with their sicknesses. As um if you've ever been to a hospital or if ever you've been hospitalized, the hospital can get can become like a very lonely place, especially for a child. And so the idea is to um, provide services that um, have been developed to be called the child life services so that we're able to provide yun, yeah, um psychosocial support to these kids. For as for our organization, um Kaith Ateneo, we get student volunteers um, here in Ateneo de Manila uh, University so that we're able to um, go to hospital, visit, have ADVO events, um, raise funds for the kids so that at the end of the day, we'd be able to um, accomplish our mission in a, in a more um, broad way and be able to bring others along at the same time.
0: Thank you so much for that, Hugo. Um, Koa, would you want to add anything to that, like how you guys expanded or how you're currently operating? I guess just for a brief background
2: as well, um, Kai's the name itself, is actually derived from a Scottish word that means to manifest itself. So what our main main objective in the org is to really just provide um, psychosocial support for children with chronic illnesses and to help um, alleviate the stress and anxiety that they feel in the hospitals as already shared by Hugo. So um, what we want them to do is we don't want them to feel like... um, they're shipped away from their childhood or they're not able to do what normal kids are usually able to do just because they're in the hospital setting. Like we want them to feel like they're still regular kids even if they are hospitalized and even if they do receive treatment. Um, I guess how we expanded is um, I think the starting hospitals were just NCH, PCMC, but now we're um, all across Manila now. We have hospitals in, um, we're partnered with hospitals like PCMC, POC, QMMC, and AFP, and even outside of Metro Manila, we're partnered with um, Perpetual Socorro Hospital in Cebu and Tarlac Provincial Hospital. So you can really see that the advocacy is slowly growing and we're getting a lot more volunteers and a lot more people that um, are as passionate for the advocacy as we are.
0: Honestly, that's that's super admirable how you guys shine light on how these children are struggling. Um, it's really, admire as I said, admirable that you... Um, allow these kids to be children first and patient second. So, thank you guys for giving a brief background. Um, I'll turn it over to Nicole.
1: Yeah, thanks Annika. Um, honestly, my favorite line from what you guys mentioned was the fact that uh, you wanted these kids to be kids first and patients second. It just goes to show how well rooted you are in your advocacy and how much you're really trying to move towards that goal of yours so and, yeah um now let's move on to the major maybe more personal side of the advocacy so now that you've also mentioned how the organization was created would you mind sharing your defining moment in joining kai how did you know that you know you wanted to join this and as you joined what was that maybe one key moment that really stuck with you and made you decide that okay i want to stay and i want to create more
3: change within this organization. Mm. A lot of people um, know this story already.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Um,
3: but the, well, the, the reason why I joined guys actually was because um, my crush was also joining Kite.
1: Omg! That's Very uh, profound. Very you profound,
3: that. of course. Um, no, but um, I I joined shempre because um not not because I didn't I didn't like the advocacy or the sector or anything, but I mean I mean mainly because I really just wanted to be somewhere where you know like like my crush was there. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is when I got accepted, um, she didn't, so I was kind of stuck in first year in an org where um like I I joined because of one thing, but then like that the thing was gone so I just kind of lost (laughs) on what what I was doing in the org um but um there's always a saying that we say in CAIF um it's not the reason why you join but it's the reason why you stay that matters and I think um my experiences in Kaith really encapsulated that statement so so profoundly like um, although I did join because of that reason, um, I did stay because I fell in love with the advocacy. I really fell in love with the sector. Um, for me, my defining moment, I'd say, was um, in one visit, um, we were in we were in one of our partner hospitals. And it was a bedside visit, meaning that um, we go to the visit and then we'd interact with kids um, almost one-on-one. And then... In that bedside visit, I, re- I realized that there were around 50 beds, but there were 100 kids in that room, and so a lot of those kids had to share the same bed. And the mom the mom that I was um interacting with was actually, um, you know, telling me stories about how they were there for so many days, and um, they didn't have enough money to support the kid. You know, and they might have to um. They might have to go back home, and it was just very um, it was very hard for me to understand how they could be in that situation, um, and that's kind of what's driven me ever since, to um, fight more for the kids, to do more for the kids, and to learn as much as I can. Um, it kind of pushed me not only in the direction to serve more in Kai, but then to serve more in um in the in public health in general. Like I, I learned it it drove me to take a minor in public health. Um it took it I, I took classes on it and everything. So um yeah, just learning all of these things, um, it's really it's really um shaped who I am as a person, I'd say. And um like everything that I've learned, even if at the start it was really just to impress a crush, it's really it's really grown on me and really defined me. Um, as a person, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, thanks for that, Hugo. I mean, well, yeah, sure. Your reason for joining is really funny. I mean, not gonna (laughs) lie. But, you know, at the end of the day, to think that something that inspires you to, you know, try out an advocacy and be part of something bigger than yourself and eventually it will lead you to learn a lot of things and see where you are needed and see what your, your passions are and how else you can grow as an individual. Maybe the things we do, and maybe the opportunities we first find ourselves, you know, taking or joining will eventually lead us to learn new things more than what we could ever have expected from it. And, you know, the situations of the children are very sad. And I think we are all aware that we have a very flawed healthcare system. We're not all equally privileged. There are a lot of things that we have to do and improve on, you know, it's one thing to hear about it, but it's another to see it firsthand and be involved in trying to give aid and be part of a solution to something. It's just really a very motivating advocacy, and I hope that a lot of people pa, will eventually find that find themselves like interested in this. So, how about you, Koa? Would you like to add anything? Maybe you'd like to share. Um, the different communities you've been part of or you visited or your other beneficiaries as a member?
2: Yeah, sure. I guess I can also like start by um saying like why or how I found out about Kaith and why I decided to Yeah, sure, to go. Mine. Um, I actually found out about Kaith back in high school, like when I was still a senior, I think, <laughs> back in high school. Um, One of the members of Kaith went to our school during a college career fair talk and At that moment, well, currently now also, um, I was planning to become a doctor, and they really said, um, as part of their college journey, um, one of the orgs that they really tried to join, or the the orgs that they were very active in was Tithe Ateneo, because they catered to kids with um, chronic illnesses, and they visited kids every week, and me becoming, like, on the road to becoming a pre-med student, and someone who wants to become a pediatrician in the future, became something I was very interested in, and... When I got to college, like I just knew I had to try out for the org and um, try to join or serve in any way that I can. Um, thankfully, in freshman year, I tried out and got in despite the very hard interview process and the whole application process. It was difficult, but I managed to um get a slot in the organization. But um I wasn't that active actually back in freshman year, like compared to Hugo. <laughs> if I were to like, compare to Hugo, Hugo's one of the more like active freshies back then <laughs> when we got into KAI. But for me, I wasn't so active. I was like very shy. I didn't have much friends in the org. And um, yeah, I guess I didn't really make the most out of my first year in KAI. So um, flash forward to second year, I really wanted to redeem myself and I wanted to become an active member not only because like for myself, not only because I wanted to be more active, but also because I wanted to see the kids a lot more. So I'd say my defining moment would have to be when I applied for a position in the org, it was called a Kaibigan. i um, not really sure the full context of why the position is called that, but it's called a Kaibigan because we bridge both the Kaithers and the kids together. Like, we make them friends. We make them vegans in a sense. So I applied for that position, and I was tasked with heading the hospital visits every single week. And I made it, like, a point to really try and visit as much as I can. I think one semester, I visited for, mga like, ten weeks straight. I don't know how I did that, honestly, because I don't really have that much time as a pre-med student, but I really tried to put it in my calendar, put it in my schedule that I want to see these kids because um, it's something that I really love doing. I guess I just felt really fulfilled going to these visits because these kids, um, you think the visits like just mean a lot to you because you get to serve others and get to practice your advocacy, but they actually mean a lot to the kids as well. Like I remember my first week of visiting, I just played with the kids, thought nothing special about it. But in the next week, right as I entered the hospital, um, ward, one of my previous kids from the last week tried to tell like, "Atiko, nandito kana, hello," ganon. Like, and I really didn't expect them to um remember me or, like, I didn't know that my time with them, the little time that I spent with them, meant that much um to these kids. So I guess that's why I really love um, Kai and visits in general. It's because. Um, the little things that we do end up becoming really big things. Um, when we look back on it, and I guess we just don't realize the impact that we make actually means a lot to these kids, especially, um, in the hard times that they're facing. Um, after this, like I really sought to try to be more active. Um, try to serve more with the hospitals. Try to create modules for the kids, and I guess everything just followed from there. Um. But yeah, even if my positions change or I got like more active or tried other things in the org, what really didn't change was my love for the kids and how much I enjoyed going on visits with them. So I'd say that's most of my kind story. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for listening.
1: (laughs) Yay, thanks for that, Koa. Well, actually, what I love about what you said was, you know, the emphasis on both what it does for you and also what it does for the kids. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time when we talk about Advocacies like this, like when, you, when we go to schools or hospitals, oftentimes, you know, we get stuck with thinking about what we're doing for them and like how we're able to help them. But on the flip side, we kind of don't get to recognize how much meaning it has for us as you know individuals. The fact mm-hmm. that it gives us so much fulfillment and it allows us to really discover what matters to us and what kind of work we want to do it's a really big thing for like our personal growth also. And yeah, I I didn't really think that maybe one visit could mean so much. But for these kids who really need all the support that they can get, especially since they have such difficult situations, not to mention that their sickness is also taking such a toll on them. Yeah, I think we just have to recognize that just being there for each other means so much, especially for these kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm also just kind of reflecting in this, you know, pandemic situation na, a lot of our organizations and a lot of the work that we do currently have been limited na, to, you know, distance stuff, mostly donations, sending, like, packages of food. It's just kind of sad Now we lost that interactive you know, aspect. I think Annika wants to add something.
0: Oh, yeah, I just wanted to add that I think, what really reflects and what comes out on both of your defining moments is the love for what you do for your advocacy. And I think as a whole org, what really differs, what really differentiates you guys from other organizations is the consistency Mm -hmm. and the actual effort that you put into these on-the-ground visits and making sure that these kids are actually benefiting from it. So, on that note, now let's discuss what you guys did before the pandemic since you guys are very heavy on um, interactive events and actually visiting the kids. So, I think let's go to COA first to talk about um, hospitals and then to Hugo, Hugo for advocacy.
2: Sure. So, in terms of hospitals, Kite Ateneo has actually partnered up with um, four hospitals. So, that's Armed Forces of the Philippines Medical Center. Um, PCMC, Philippine Children's Medical Center, POC, Philippine Orthopedic Center, and QMMC or Carino Memorial Medical Center. So what we do as Kaisers is um throughout the whole week, we go on visits for the kids and um the hospitals that are assigned to the visits differ per day. So we'd have two visits every single day. Like Monday, it would be AFP and POC, for example. Tuesday would be QMMC and PCMC, for example. And Um, That goes on until Saturday. Um, We visit the kids every single week. Then what we do here is we play um, activities and games with the kids. So it could be something as simple as free play, wherein um, we just kind of go with the flow, see what the kids want to do, try to play with them like with toys or with gadgets or the like. um, Just see whatever vibe the kids um, want to do for that day or what they feel like playing with. Or sometimes we also have um structured games like modules. So these can these kinds of things um back then what we do is we try to I guess insert a bit of education into the visit as well. So for example, we teach math, but try to make it fun. Like maybe have flashcard games. So um if they would remember, know how to solve addition, subtraction, but also have fun in the process. Or maybe they can have some like uh, mix and match kinds of things where they get to learn like the English words and uh, match it with uh, a picture of the word or like an animal or a phrase. So we really have a variety of things that we do with the kids. Um, even oftentimes we, some people would like bring their guitars or bring instruments and sing and dance with them. It's really different every single visit. But I guess what's the same is that um, I've never been on a visit wherein we left Um, do the kids not having a smile on their faces? I always see both the kids and the Caithers enjoying every single moment we spend with them. And I guess that's what encourages us or drives us to keep visiting every single week, just knowing that um, it might not be a big um, thing, might not be big, like we spent like maybe one hour, one hour, 30 minutes with the kids, but it made their day for sure. And um, it made them feel happier in a sense. It made them feel supported that, they have Atis and Kuyas and Kait Ateneo always looking out for them and always um, supporting them throughout their hospitalization.
0: Honestly, that whole concept of productive play is super interesting mm-hmm. and it actually makes these kids want to learn, which is super great. Yeah. So, for advocacy naman, let's go to Hugo. So, what, what were your pre pandemic activities that um, involved advocacy?
3: I guess to answer that, it would be easier to discuss what the four facets are under the Advocacy Department. Each facet is focused on a specific audience, and as the Advocacy Department, we act as the externals arm of Kaith Ateneo, um, meaning that we, one, partner with other organizations outside of um, outside of Kaith, and then also we um, interact with them to make sure that um, we create initiatives that allow them to engage with their advocacy meaningfully. Um, so first is the internal's department. Um, they're focused on um, an internal audience, so within Ateneo, so um, organizations within Ateneo, um, students within Ateneo. Um, their main their main uh, what's this project was the Kai um, Flying. So it's a week long event where we're able to celebrate what it means to be. Kite, what it means to be a kiter, and it ends with um, a buddy event. So, a buddy event is kind of like a visit, but um, the kids come to us and then we prepare a whole program filled with um, events, filled with games, filled with music, etc. Um, just for the kids, you know. Um, and kite flying is one of our, I guess it, you could say, iconic events because um, this is the one where um, you see a lot of um, kites flying in our field in Ateneo. Um, a lot of kids and um, enjoy and then also even kithers and non um spend the day with the kids together. The next department, uh, the next facet naman is the externals department and actually they're the ones that um, partnered with you guys in TPP. Um, so they handle external partnerships outside of Ateneo but then also um, their main event is called, um, well, well, it's two, Kaiferenz before which is an um, advocacy conference that aims to bring people together of different advocacy so that um, you know people can understand more what the different advocacies are, um, kind of like what we're doing here today in the in the podcast. The other event that they have is called I Am Hope. Um, it's kind of the event that's been changed the most because before it was another buddy event. Um, two years ago, it was a field trip in Museo Pambata and actually last year um it was a benefit concert yes um where i i was actually the head <laughs> back then so um it's been it's changed a lot but the the goal remains the same to be able to externalize our advocacy outside of the walls of Ateneo and really allow others to um int- to to be introduced to what it is that we care about and why we fight for it um, next someone is the community relations officers. So they're in charge of building relations with the other kife affiliated orgs. So um, some of those are kaif, um, kaif A+, which is in ASMPH. Um, there's the Hope Project, and there's also UP Flyers, which is in UPM. The, the entire idea of Comrel is to be able to and yeah, um, build relations through a lot of different kinds of projects. Probably their biggest project would be um, KCD. So back then, it was another buddy event where we're able to come together as a community and build an, a whole event and program for the kids to play and just have fun um, together. And then finally, um, is the campaigns directors. They're the ones who are in charge of creating online campaign materials and in charge of handling our hair donation drive called Hair to Share and Wigs to Give. So this allows um, people to engage with the advocacy by um, donating their hair, which will be um, turned into medical wigs, which can be used by cancer patients um, who avail of it. All in all, the entire advocacy departments really just focused on, you know, building relations with other people, um, with people who want to engage with the advocacy and giving them avenues to be able to do so.
0: I think the growth and expansion to other schools and communities is really a testament to how hard you guys work for your advocacy. And it's amazing to see how all of your departments and all of these facets work hand in hand for these kids. So thank you so much for sharing um, what you guys did before the pandemic, but given the current setup and uh, the force to transition to online and all of that, how were you guys able to cope? Um, I think, Nicole, you can add more on this.
1: Yes, sure. Thanks, Annika. Actually, um, before that, i just like to you know comment on what you guys mentioned earlier. Oh, I really love the fact that you put in so much effort for all of the programs that you have. I mean, visiting hospitals amidst your very busy schedule and on top of that, offering these kids different activities every time. As you mentioned, Yana, you know, it's never the same every time. For one hour and 30 minutes, every day that you go there, you try to give variety in their lives. Because, you know, as patients, you kind of are, st- you're basically kind of stuck, siguro, in a normal routine. You guys break that routine for them. You give them the fun that they need to be able to live their lives as children. And I just really want to, give recognition for that because I know it means a lot to these children. So yeah, um, moving on to what Annika mentioned, nga, na, you, know, you were heavily reliant on the face-to-face um, setup because of course your activities were really very interactive. Ayun, nga, as you mentioned earlier, you had your um, bedside visits, you had kite flying. I know it's really a different experience. I mean, not just for the kids, but also for you guys. I know it's very different. So I guess my question would be, um, how do you, um, translate your advocacy to the online setup given its many limitations.
2: For sure, one of the facets in our organization that has been heavily affected really is um, the hospital's department. Um, we can't see the kids as much no, because because we don't have any more physical interactions, um, we don't get to see the sector as much, um, and the whole purpose of the org is really like seeing the kids and visiting them, playing with them, but how do you do that now in the context of a pandemic where um, we're all stuck at home and we can't really go out because we might get infected. So that was really a big challenge for um our department this year on how to transition it online and how to continue serving the kids despite um these limitations. But one thing that we tried to do in order to overcome this was to have online hospital activities instead. So what we did was um before during the online during the offline setting like physical visits we used to go on um hospital visits to the kids with groups called CADAs. So kind of like your Kaifberg Kada, you go to the hospital with them, we visit with them, we play with the kids with them. Um, we tried to translate that online and we still kept the idea of the kados, but instead of visiting the kids, given our limitations, uh, we instead spent that time on um, one hour every single week, maybe like twice a day to um, create modules for the kids. So as I mentioned a while ago, we used to do a variety of things with the kids, maybe free play, maybe modules, um, maybe even like uh, music therapy. But given the online setting, what we try to focus on instead is to um, send kind of like activity booklets to the kids that are fun, but also educational in the sense. Because we also know that they are missing out on um, education since um, they're stuck in the hospital. And um, I'm sure it's also hard for them to learn given the online setting. So in these modules, we tried to insert certain values like love, friendship, care, those kinds of things. And we also tried to make it um, educational. Like maybe it can be like um, I spy or solving riddles, Um, whatever, um, it was a mix of fun and play, I guess, for the kids to try and keep them um, still engaged and keep them, um, or kind of help them know that we still support them, even if we don't physically see them. So what we do is we make the activity books with our CADA and then give them to our partner, a mother organization, KFI. And then KFI would be in charge of um, distributing them to the hospitals. And so far, I think we've sent around um, five waves of these activity books of, with 200 copies per wave. So almost more than 1,000 copies, I think, to these kids. So um, based on the pictures that KFI sent them, I think they were very helpful naman in making the kids know that we still support them, we still love them and we're still looking out for them in whatever way we can. Then other than those um, kind of asynchronous activities, we also had a new initiative this year. It's called Celebrate Life Camp or CLK. So what we do is um, in the morning of a week, weekend, usually on Saturdays, from 9 to 12 p.m. we would have a Zoom call with the kids. So. Um, We'd have like a short program in the start to welcome them. And then we'd bring them to breakout rooms where um, the Kythers prepared age-appropriate activities for them. Um, Given that, you know, we don't usually interact with the same um, kids, we have to make sure that activities are contextualized and relevant to their age groups. So we'd have one room with like three to four-year-olds and they would be focusing more on like, um, I guess, more interactive games like stop dance or Simon Says, stuff like that. And then we'd have another room with maybe teenagers, 13 to 14 years old, and they would be playing like more mind-boggling games, I guess, in a sense, or more mature games like Pinoy Henyo, or even like something as simple as doing TikToks together, talking about K-pop together. There really is a lot that we do with the kids. And what we found out this year online is they can really relate to us more than we thought. Like they really are into like mobile legends or, I don't know, other games that People usually play nowadays or K pop or TikTok. Like they they like very relatable topics. So it's not that hard to reach out to the kids. And yeah, after that CLK, we say goodbye to them. And then um, we have like a bonding activity with our members afterwards. And I guess just from that initiative itself, it taught us that there are no limitations um, to service. If there's a will, there's a way. And um, since we love the advocacy as much as we do as Kaithers, um, we'll always find a way to kind of serve the kids in whatever way we can. And I guess this initiative also showed us that it's not impossible to continue serving and continue loving despite it being online. So um, we're still, as I said a while ago, we're still in the transition phase, but hopefully next year we'll have more opportunities to connect with the kids and more calls with them as well, because we really want to maximize the face-to-face interactions as much as possible so that um, we're able to show our support for the kids and show them how much we love them.
1: Hey, thanks for that, Koa. What I loved about what you just mentioned is the fact that you were able to clarify you know, this misconception that, oh, because they're kids and they have these illnesses that prevent them from really mm. living so-called normal lives. You know, Sometimes we think kasi na oh, they may not be able to relate to us as much. You know, you just told us they are just as active. They are just as involved and interested in the many things that, you know, people their age, kids their age are also interested in. You know, these these illnesses don't really change who they are. They're, they're just kids. They have these interests. They have all of these things that they want to do. And they also want to share that joy and share their passions for these things with other people. To think of them not as weakened by their illnesses, you know, at the end of the day, they're just kids who want to live their lives normally, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that a lot of our listeners today have as a key takeaway. Um, maybe Hugo, you'd like to add something?
3: Just to add to what she said, no. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges of being an org that's so centered on experiences, on um, having a sector on um, dealing with dealing with the vulnerable population where we need to be interacting with them constantly um, when you take that when you take that interaction away it becomes a little bit difficult to kind of find your place um, as an organization and to kind of see where it is na, um I think I think that really, um, Mark, like the very beginning of our terms now it was very confusing um so where where will we in yes, where, where will we serve and how will we help the kids when we can't even get to them when we can't even reach to them so it took a lot of brainstorming it took a lot of um meeting and learning unlearning relearning a lot of things but um eventually i think we were all able to um as, as what Koa mentioned we were all all able Able to develop systems and at least start what what needs to be done so that we can be able to serve these kids um you know even if it's an online setting um i think the idea now at least personally like what i realized um, a lot of the a lot of the a lot of our ideas were to kind of transfer what we experience from the physical into the online and i think that becomes difficult because the platform itself is like it's hard to Diba? like it's it's no Parang at the start nobody really knew how to use zoom the <laughs> i if i remember we, we weren't sure if we should use google meets <laughs> but isn't uh, really didn't know um, how to navigate the online space but um so maybe the idea isn't really to transfer what we already knew but to transform what we knew into something different that can help serve the kids um during these times theba I think this was seen um, at least in in the Advo's perspective that we were able to transform our initiatives to not just become an online version of these events, but to really fit these events to the situations the kids are in. So for example, uh, we created an initiative called Santa's Little Helpers where we allowed our audiences to um, join workshops such as digital art, calligraphy, watercolor. Um, We even had a cooking show by Judy Ann Santos (laughs) where um, she taught us how to cook recipes and taught the the mothers of the kids how to cook recipes um, for Christmas time. Um, And then we were able to compile these artworks from the audiences to um, create Christmas cards. And that's what we sent out to the kids, right? Um, another another thing we did was um, we created the you know, that online conference. Um, because before it was uh, in the physical sense, no, um, it was hard to reach out to other organizations. But we kind of branched out and found like our footing on on what the conference is about, and we were able to invite people all over the Philippines to go to the to go to the conference, and they were all able to um not only learn about our advocacy but learn about the advocacy of different organizations um and then finally even with everybody events now we were also able to transform it meaningfully na um, although the idea of course is still to provide psychosocial support um we're able to do that in a way that's not one of like the main the main thing talaga is that the kids are safe like they are sila napapagod and in sila um with the online setting but also they're still able to learn, they're still able to have a great time. Um, they're still able to um enjoy with with our with our audience, um, with the kithers And the audience themselves also learn about the advocacy the same way. Um so definitely like like to wrap it all up, like definitely the experience is different. And I think um in embracing that, we were able to create something that was different, but also something that was more um you know something that the kids really needed um now more than ever
1: you know Hugo from what you mentioned i think what i'm getting is that you know all orgs were disoriented with the setup i mean and for you guys you were disoriented because you were an org who's really based on you know physical interaction yeah. and being with you know the kids Um i understand where you're you're coming from that you know you kind of feel lost like your identity as an org that you visit hospitals Like, now that you can't visit hospitals, like, what now? I mean, it's so easy to feel so discouraged, I think, and also kind of hopeless na parang, okay, um, our mission and our identity is kind of lost in the situation. What do we do now? And, you know, I think that this pandemic challenged not just, you know, you guys, but everyone. But, you know, I think in your situation it was a challenge to really transcend your previous definitions of like who you are as an organization, Mm -hmm. like you're an organization for kids and you want to help kids, but you know, we have these limitations now and given how you've tried to put in these systems and new programs and to, you know, have this new definition of like who you are and what you do and what this organization's future will be, well, as we all know, this pandemic isn't really going away anytime soon. You know, the threat that it's posing isn't just going to disappear out of the blue. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm very inspired by your organization because I see that you really tried to, you know, grow through what you went through. You know, go through what you go Mm -hmm. through, guys. You know, you don't stop because things are harder or because there are new barriers to to the work you do. And I know that we get to see new avenues, new opportunities for growth and for change. And maybe on some level, that's for a good thing. Because I know for a lot of organizations, maybe we're used to doing things always, you know, in this way, or we do it with the system. But obviously in this situation, we can't really do that. I think it's also a very great opportunity to be able to see other opportunities for growth and to be able to, you know, make that change. And I hope that, you know, a lot of different organizations will follow suit and yeah, do it just the way that you did. So yeah, now I'd like to turn the floor over to Annika if she'd like to add something.
0: What I've got from this episode and what we've talked about so far is that there's really no limitation to service as you guys exemplified through how you transitioned, how dedicated you guys are to your advocacy and how important, Love is into putting into pushing yourself into doing things for others. So to wrap up this whole episode, we just want to ask this final question. What's your why? Right.
3: Um, I think my why I'd say and this is actually something that's very relevant. Um, because this is always something that we always ask in guy, like just, it's kind of like something that we always say no like oh you don't forget your why don't forget your why um that's always like it's kind of like a buzzword in in Kaif, um and i'd say my 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 why as a person has has definitely um developed and it's changed over the years um especially in my entire Kaif journey um but looking back now um after four years in Kaif, um handling uh, three different positions, um, going through so many projects, um, seeing so many kids um, be happy, and seeing so many kids, um, be happy with them as well. May um, I realize that my why has always, ever since, like ever since even before college, it's always been the same, Nabad. And my why has always been about service, and it's always been about um, serving those, especially that are vulnerable, those are who don't have it best, right? Um so I think what Kite gave me is not so much a why, but it's a who. And um the the for four years it's been the sector, it's been the kids. They they were my who. And um now that I'm leaving, you know, um because I'm graduating now and now that I'm I'm moving on to you know to to other things outside of Ateneo. Um I realize now that My who can be other things. It can be other people as well. But what I've learned in CAIF and the experiences I've made and the people I've met um, has really developed my my heart for service and um, makes me want to serve other who's in the future with with the same kind of passion that I was able to um, experience here in CAIF. So um, definitely like to, to answer, the question. My, my, serv- my, my why talaga is all about service. Um, I guess it's really more on who it's directed to. You know? yeah.
0: Thank you so much. I guess in a way you just show that your why is um, people's whys aren't really definite as your journey in Kite, it developed over four years and your why or your who also developed. So that's really great to hear. So how about you, Koa? Um, What's your why? Yeah, sure. Um, I think my why,
2: similar to Hugo, um, I think it changes every single year, but the whole essence of it still remains the same. Um, My why would have to be, um, I do what I do because I know that everyone has the potential to love and everyone has the capacity to grow in love. Um, What that means is I know that every single person is capable of... um, doing some, something as simple as playing with the kids or showing their support to them in, like, external projects and the like. Um, I guess one way to explain this is through a quote given by one of the founding members of uh, Kaith Ateneo. Her name is Ate Ekar. Um, during a talk, she once told us that um, everyone has the capacity to play and everyone has the capacity to um, do games. And similarly, everyone has the... Ca- capacity to become an advocate um, for the kids and for, for kite in general. I guess what I learned from my whole Kaif experience, similar to Hugo because I'm also a senior and I'm also graduating, is that love has limitless opportunities to grow and they're able to be fostered in so many different individuals. Um, I learned that love can be fostered in a hospital visit or love can be fostered in an advocacy event or love can even be fostered in something as simple as just talking to people about the sector and about our passions for the org. Um, yeah, so I guess the main reason why I do what I do is really to just make people grow more grow more in love and to make people love and care as much as um, the people that I've met and the people that I've encountered do. So it might sound really simple, but yeah, it's a two-way street Like once we show love, we also get love in return. And I guess I just want more advocates and more people to grow in love and service. Okay,
1: thanks, Koa. You know, I really love the message that you're leaving our listeners here today that, you know, love really propels you to grow, not just for yourself, but also for others, you know, by trying to grow your interests and also doing all of the things that you do with love you know you Mm -hmm. get to share it with other people you try to grow the movement there you know it doesn't it doesn't just stay with you once you share this Mm -hmm. thing that you love with other people it becomes such a community thing Mm -hmm. and it spreads so quickly you know when everything we do when it's based on love and you know service a lot of the things that we consider as problems they become so small, they become so manageable. And if we could only share this love with a lot more people, as cliche as it may sound, I know that the world would definitely be a better place because everyone will be, you know, inspired to do their part. As you mentioned earlier, everyone can do something, regardless of what that something is. Everyone can play their part. It doesn't have to be the same thing for everyone, but, you know, certainly we all have things That we're passionate about you want to advocate for and just by seeing you guys be so inspired by this love and this passion you have for these kids and for service you're also equally inspiring not just us but also the listeners and maybe a lot more people around you to take part in this you know life of service and yeah i hope that we all get more people to join these kinds of advocacies because It's really so inspiring. It gives us so much fulfillment. And, you know, it really makes everyone so happy at the end of the day. To be able to serve, it allows us to grow. You know, as you said, it's a two-way street. And if people could just see that, you know, maybe they would change the way they perceive outreach. So, yeah. So let's jump right into our last segment for today's podcast episode. Um, Would you guys like to plug your social media handles for Kaith Ateneo or maybe you'd like to share with us your future projects. Maybe we can you know, invite our listeners today.
3: So, hello everyone. So, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you want to get in touch with Kaith Ateneo, want to learn more about our advocacy, please head on over to Kaith Ateneo on Facebook. Um, if you want to engage with our advocacy events or, and want to see our advocacy initiatives, um, please head on over to the We Are Hope Skyf Ateneo page. Um, this is where our advocacy department resides. Yes. Um, we also we also have merch. Um, we we sell a lot of things um, throughout the year. Um, so if you want to check them out, you can also go on over to Funds for the Kids Skyf Ateneo also on facebook.com. Yes. Um, we're also on Instagram at Kaith Ateneo. Um the same for Twitter and um If you want to send us over an email, um, give us a partner, uh, you want to start a partnership, we're always open. Um, Just check out kaif.ls at obf.atenea.edu.
1: All right. Thanks, Hugo. So to everyone listening, I hope that you all heard all of those um, feature projects and also their social media accounts. Please do give them a follow or try to interact with their posts. And hopefully, yeah, we get more um, listeners to... Be engaged and involved with Kite's advocacies and future projects. It was a really, you know, fruitful episode. And I know that a lot of us here learned a lot. And I hope that, you know, in the future we could have more partnerships. And yeah, I just really, really hope that this, you know, mission of love and service, not just for kids, but also for a lot of, you know, different people and different advocacies will continue to spread. So yeah, on that note, I think we can end our episode here. So once again, I am Nicole Lanere.
0: And I am Annika Pineda. So make sure to follow the Playhouse Project social media sites to be reminded of our podcast episode next week. Thank you guys so, so much and see you then. Bye!